Hello, and welcome back to the Trench Talk Podcast. For this episode, we talk ball with Coach Bobby Jones, offensive coordinator and O-line coach at Washington and Lee University. We talk a little bit of everything in this one, including old Springfield grad assistant stories to penalty rules on the football field, and we even mix in a little bit of football culture as well. We hope you enjoy this one, and here is Coach Jones. Remember this, if you want to go quickly, do it alone. But if you want to go far, you do it together. We're like roaches, and you can't kill us. Sure do. It took me a minute when when uh, we connected. I was like, wait a minute. Well, I know this guy. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a hot sec. A lot has changed. Good stuff though. No question. Well, mine's the coronavirus part of it. Yeah, no, that's uh, yeah. That's probably the first thing. I'm good. Yep. So what's it been like in Virginia and on campus with everything going on? Like, what what have you guys as a program been able to do? Yeah, no, so we, uh, it's been pretty interesting. We've been lucky uh, largely here in Lexington where WNL is. Um, since January, it's been found this weird coronavirus oasis. There haven't been a lot of cases. And our town actually has us as well as Virginia Military Institute uh, very close by. So with both campuses back, uh, there have been a few cases, um, nothing, nothing bad, uh, no hospitalizations, which has been good. Um, our administration has been great in terms of helping us get back on the field. So We've been able to do um, some practices with with a lot of uh, restrictions, of course. And I coach the offensive line, and at times, the offensive line doesn't really lend itself to socially distant practice. Um, but we're lucky; we we do a good amount of empty stuff, um, so we're we're able to not have contact as well, and still be able to work on some of our plays as well as throwing the ball, of course. But I think what our our guys miss the most, uh, and what we're hoping to try and give to them, is just being around each other again and something to and engage in this, this whole quarantine has been pretty isolating for a lot of people um so we, i think it's just good to get our guys back around each other again definitely build that camaraderie on the line and i mean stance and start are huge so you can always work that for sure we uh we do what's called step of champions uh every single day where we go through all of our footwork and and we we flip sides of the line so we're you're going to play right tackle and right guard as well as left tackle and left guard so I, uh, every general's offensive line practice has started that way since 2008, including when I played there. Um, so it's, it, it's a staple, that's for sure. So the guys, I don't, I don't think they look forward to it, but they certainly know to expect it. Absolutely. Coach, we know you've, uh, obviously you spent time as a player on the O-line. You coached the O-line, coached running backs also. Um, I see, and we're kind of curious uh, about your, obviously, going through a lot of blocking techniques with different skill, different position groups and everything like that. Didn't know if you could kind of, kind of shift it into like what your uh, blocking approach is with skill positions, because we always talk about, you know, from the O-line and D-line perspective, obviously with our show, but we're wondering if you could kind of touch on how you kind of incorporated your, your time, you know, blocking as both a player and coach and shift that into the skill positions. Yeah, for sure. I've, I've been really lucky uh, in, in none, 
have never been more lucky than the, the two years that I got to spend at Springfield with Coach DeLong on his last staff and then Coach Saracillo's first year as head coach and, and just to be a part of that program and the lineage and legacy that that program has is, is crazy and, and everyone knows that. Um, and, but one of my favorite years coaching of all time uh, was definitely 2016 at Springfield. I coached the A-backs or the slots or halfbacks, whatever you want to call them. I mean, I've been really fortunate to coach all, all every single position in the option, including the receivers, um, quarterbacks. And that was a different time, and I don't quite look like a quarterback coach, that's for sure. But if, I mean, first and foremost, and, and Springfield does such a good job of this uh, with the with the dog pound or A-backs, whatever you want to call them, uh, it's desire. I mean, th this offense is a really selfless offense. There's no question about it. And there's a lot of technique that goes with it. But Luke Conti, who's a Springfield guy, who was fortunate to GA for for a year when he came back, and now he's back in the Citadel as the offensive coordinator. But he always talked about to us as young coaches that there's two types of coaches. There's there's guys that are really good at teaching technique, and there's guys that are really good at teaching passion, energy, and effort. And the best are able to do both. And that that that's the first and foremost thing of guys that are used to playing slot receiver and running verticals and swing routes and getting the ball pitched to them and all that good stuff. Um, that's the first thing. But I, I think the biggest thing is just blocking. And from a technique standpoint, which is kind of more your question, is blocking low to high. Um, so when I when I was there at Springfield, uh, we were a big midline team. Jake Eglantine, our quarterback, was great at midline. Jordan Wilcox was starting to establish himself at D-back or fullback, as they called it, Springfield. Um, so obviously those, those double inserts are really, really important. And one of my – favorite plays that I've ever seen um, coaching. We're playing RPI. They get a lead on us. Um, we come back and win that game, but we run midline and Jake scores from like 40 or 45 out. And we're running double insert uh, midline and, and Tyler Hyde, who played A back for us, is an awesome kid. Um, not not the fastest guy. We used to joke in our room. He, he got caught in the one yard line at least four or five times and didn't have touchdowns. Um, but he, he inserts on midline and he just absolutely wrecks this 240 pound linebacker and he doesn't cut him. He blocks him up high and just absolutely wrecks him. Uh, it was one of my proudest moments as a coach and then we're watching film and I'm a GA on Sunday and coach Sarasota points it out how good a block it was and that, that makes you feel good as a young coach. But we used to, those shoots that the receivers use, those single man shoots, those uh, L, they kind of look like a, an L frame almost. Um, we used to use those relentlessly when I when I coached the A-backs. Um, I'm sure if you ask Hunter Belzo, Tyler Hyde, Cordy Simone, those guys, we, we were under those things a lot. Um, but again, especially when you're giving up a lot of weight, you're, you're, you've got to have that distribution of low to high, striking low to high. And that's no different than the O-line. I mean, we're, we're not an under center option team anymore, so we're not sprinting off the football like they do at Springfield. We're in the gun. But everything that we do, it, the misconception about offensive line play outside of under center triple is that you're pushing people. You're not pushing anybody, you're lifting people. And the way that you lift is low to high through your hips. So, I mean, it's something that you see all the time, uh, what we do when we're engaging too, but definitely at the slot positions as well as, I mean, you're hog tying their hands, you're trying to do every little thing you can because you know they're giving up weight. I mean, I'm sending Tyler Hyde is 180 pounds against a 240 pound linebacker, only at Springfield College, that's for sure. Yeah. Now, uh, going off that, I remember my freshman year, I'd be in the shoots doing a, an all-line drills and a with Coach Bozum and some of those guys. And uh, I remember I would hear you, hear you getting after the running backs quite a bit, and I would watch your, your cut circuit that you would do. And I, I was beside myself that you guys would do that with as intense as you did. And that no was question. kind of a thing, um, not to dock any coaches that came after you or anything like that, but I had never seen um, such an aggressive <laughs> blocking circuit for people who are ball carriers, as they like to put it. Um, is that something you kind of you picked up heading into Springfield, or is that something that you still implement over at uh, Washington Elite? 
Yeah, you know, I think it's a mixture of things. Like all all coaches, I'm I'm a product of the people I've learned from. Um, and going into Springfield, of course, I, I mean, I, I I've been an option guy since middle school. I mean, we were a split back beer team in middle school, split back beer team in high school. I played for Coach Abel here at WNL, who's one of the best option coaches in the country. Um, and so that that part that mentality has always been part of it. But I was really fortunate. My first year coaching the Roach for the O line, I was uh, of course learning from Coach Sarsulo. Um, and Mike Davis, who was uh, the A-backs, uh, halfbacks coach at the time. And Mike and I are still really good friends. But from a pure technique standpoint, he was he, he really knew what he was talking about. He had played it and knew what worked and what didn't work. Um, but, again, that first year, I, I learned from Coach Conti. And Coach Conti had coached the A-backs for years at Lenore Ryan and the Citadel. And, he, I mean, he was really, really good at it. And so I always aspired to be like that. Um, and, and I'll be honest with you, and I won't tell my alignment in this. I guess you're recording, so they might see it. But. Coaching the A-backs and the triple is my favorite position of all time because they do everything. They get to block, they get to run, they get to catch the ball, as well as, like, I mean, you're you're taking get kids, again, that are used to running vertical routes, and you're telling them to go dig out a, a five technique is 280 pounds. I mean, it's awesome. And, and that was my favorite. Um, and, and I really do believe that your players, you know, right, that I didn't become a coach to sit behind my computer screen and, and get on Excel all day or Photoshop or watch film and as much as fun as film is watching is, but the best two hours of my day, no no question, are the two hours I'm out of practice. And so, I mean, I, Coach Sarasulo says it all the time, but I'm going to love you for 22 hours, and I'm going to coach you hard for two hours. Um, and all we ask is all you got, all that good stuff. So I think if you – I mean, it's funny. My first year I came back to WNL, I was teaching cut circuit, which is, again, one of my favorite things to teach. And I was a little bit more out of shape than I was when I was running around at Springfield. I was, it wasn't GA anymore, so I was able to eat a little bit more. I wasn't begging meals off of Cheney. Uh, um, but we were in Virginia, so it was like 98 degrees, a lot of humidity. I almost went down. I mean, we had a lightning strike in delayed practice. It's like I told her head coach, like, it's good. I think I was going to pass out. Uh, but, no, it's definitely something I try and uh, I try and keep with me. I think offensive linemen inherently know that a little bit more, right? They wear it. Every offensive line coach, you can hear them coming across the bridge, right? Um, but I think when you're coaching skill guys on blocking, like, they have to feel your passion. They're not going to have it. You know what I mean? So, I mean, we – We'd be on the seven-man sled, bear crawl, cut, cut crawling on on the sled, and really focusing on bringing that second leg, which is something a lot of skill guys struggle with. So yeah, you're bringing back some good memories, man. I'm sure maybe not for Tyler Hyde and, and yeah, no, some of the other guys I've talked to, I don't I don't know if they'd say the same thing, but uh, yeah, I don't think so either. I, I'm gonna forget we I think we beat WPI and we just we didn't cut very well that game at Abac. And this is before all the new rules with cut blocking. And I think we spent like the first 15 minutes in Indy on the sled bear crawl pushing the sled and I don't think they appreciate that too much but yeah those um, new rules are a shame yeah I, I, I don't get me started I, <laughs> Coach yeah. Abel and Coach Sarasulo are two of oh, my bigger yeah. mentors and Coach Abel down at Davidson he and I talk about it all the time and they're they're running what we run to in the gun triple and I, I learned it from him um, but he's always like if we're not allowed to cut they're not allowed to tackle low and no one wants to hear that and Nick Saban and Dan Mullen and all those guys they're the ones that are chirping the rules committee but yeah. I, I'll argue with anybody until I'm blue in the face. If cut blocking is taught properly, like it is at Springfield, like it is at Navy, uh, at, at the Citadel, so on and so forth, it is not a, it's not a dangerous block. What's dangerous is asking a 180-pound person to go block a 240-pound person when he's got a head steam and he has no rules for sure. Okay. That's, that's my opinion, and I'll, and I'll send it to the NCAA, not that they'll care too much. That's my yeah. I, I could back that. I threw a cut block last year. I, I, swore, I swore on everything I cared about. It was at five yards, but apparently uh, – you went back and watched the film. I was I was I was at eight or nine. <laughs> Here, here's here's my problem with it. We had a we had a 76 yard touchdown called back on uh, on a triple with a twirl tag, um, 40, 42 twirl. I still remember my Springfield days, but um, 
and it happens at like it, it happens at maybe five and a half five but it's it's not we weren't on lines where you can delineate and the umpire is calling it and the umpire has an impossible job watching holding and everything else so to me if it's not definitive i don't think you should throw that flag right like that that luxury is guaranteed for other penalties but not for cut blocking but it's just it's the shtick that option coaches have right and and they're always have right i mean like the Kentucky game against Georgia Tech where the, the head coach Stewart is yelling at Paul Johnson like we're from the field, right? It's, it's just, it's something we're always going to have to deal with. But I think, I mean, it's part of that little cult of being an option coach, right? And, and it's something I hope never goes away from the game. I mean, the rule now, the guy that needs protection, if we're really going to argue about this for people that are coaching it improperly, is the Mike linebacker. The safety doesn't need the help, right? The safety sees it coming. It, just like you have to open field block and open field tackle, right? If you can't get rid of, get by a, a cut block in the open field, that's on you, right? That's for you not being a good football player. So the, the Mike's the guy that needs it. Not that I want that rule to change, not the safeties. So, I mean, it's just, we're talking out of one side of our mouth and talking out of the other side of our mouth at the same time. So it, it, you can get me going on that one. That one drives me crazy. <laughs> um, kind of uh, riding off your passion here is pretty great. Um, <laughs> uh, this is definitely a, halfway through the week here. I think we could all use this little bit of juice. No question. Um, um, kind of backtracking a little bit, how you were saying how um, good coaches will have their passion, they'll show up every day, and then they'll, the great ones will know both um, the knowledge aspect of it and the passion. Um, kind of as far as what you've given the sport, um, kind of what you contributed to your players, um, is there a notable, I would say, life lesson or football lesson that you've in turn um, learned from one of your players? Like, is there a specific thing that you've learned kind of it it brought you back a little bit like okay this is where I'm at um this is what I need to know going forward is there something that you've learned from one of your players for sure and and again I mean you guys know this being at Springfield you're going to hear coach Sarasulo say it all the time if, if after four years or five years whatever it is if all we've done is teach you how to run block and tackle we haven't done our jobs and there's no question right uh, I mean I I always thought that in my coaches that's why coach Abel and I are close down at Davidson and he and I still talk all the time um, and I think that's the part that a lot of coaches are afraid to talk about, especially young coaches. And, and even though I'm balding, I'm, I'm still, I mean, I'm going into year seven coaching for me. So it's not like I've been doing it for forever. But when you're a young coach, and that's one of the big challenges at Springfield, right? You've got eight coaches that are going to be probably under the age of 25. And it's a great opportunity. And it, it's why the place is what it is. But when you're a young coach, you're, you're so ardent on setting that line that boundary between your players and yourself as a coach and it needs to exist and I and I really struggled with it my first year at Springfield I was, I was so far the other way I mean Tim Fryer wore it one day um, just because I was still figuring out who I was as a coach and I, I saw Tim who's coaching now down the convention I was like Tim do you remember and he goes no nope, but you don't have to say it I remembered immediately so you, you, you forget that why you're doing it is is that relationship with with the players and, and there's so often where we'll learn something from them and Something we we preach and talk about all the time is accountability, and that's one thing I think I'm really really good at uh, at sticking to and drawing my line in the sand. And, and my players typically know that if we cross that line, what's going to happen. But it, it, you don't really realize kind of the the opportunity that what you're doing is. And, and I learned that from a couple of my players, especially this year, right? I mean, you're you're learning more than ever that playing college football is a privilege, um, especially this year. And so just. Uh, we we have this thing. It's one of my favorite traditions here at WNL. The last game of the season, whether it's in the playoffs or whenever it is, um, we make a grid on the field, and the freshmen are all in one line. Sophomores, juniors, and the coaching staff are the other, and our seniors go through and they hug each person. And I, this year, um, it, it means something to me every year. But this year, uh, I had uh, four seniors on the offensive line that came through, 
and, and just as as you're hugging him and you're crying, of course, right? He's big tough guys and got all the eye black and is running. Um, uh, and you're you're just you you realize how special that bond and that moment is. Um, and I think that that's probably one of the things I've learned from. I'll give him a quick shout out, but Sean Clark, Kyle Perel, uh, John Ganyan, and uh, Braxton Wall uh, this year, they, they really loved it. And, and just when I was embracing him in that last moment on the field, you just, you know what it is. And so it, for me, there's always going to be a next season, right? I mean, it's God willing, no one fires me anyway, but there's always going to be a next season and, and you just forget how, I mean, the burning of the old shoe at Springfield, same thing, how emotional that is every year. Um, so it, I think my players have just constantly taught me how lucky I am to be still what I'm doing. And I, and I really am. And, and kind of going off that a little bit, um, and I agree with you 100%, and, and we're not coaches yet, so it's kind of a, it's a weird in-between for you, us. You still got time to wise up and go make more money doing something else. Oh, yeah. We'll see. <laughs> you work less that. hours, too. Yeah. Um, but it, it's an interesting thing for us because we're kind of in that in-between right now, and Sam's still a player. Um, he's got a, a little bit more time left. But at some point, you kind of had to make that shift from player to coach. Um, and like you said, it's not a concrete shift, um, especially at the GA level. But with that being said, what would you like? What is a piece of advice you would give to a player that's leaving or graduating that is looking to become a coach, make that shift? Um, what is your kind of best tip for them? Yeah, for sure. I think the easiest one is, is check your ego at the door. And that's a lot easier said than done. And there are a lot of people that they see this that know me and have mentored me and have coached with me or been coached by me, they'll know there are times, especially when I was a young coach, I struggled with that. But again, you're, you're just so hell-bent because you care so much and you want to do a good job, right? And you're, you're doing all the things that Urban Meyer and, and all these great coaches talk about. You have the extra pencils, you're doing everything the best of your ability, and you're showing up early and you're staying late. But there's just so much you don't know, right? And again, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I'm a veteran coach yet. I'm not. I haven't earned that moniker yet. But when you're first starting, you're, you're so it's so important to you that you're not wrong because you want to show people that you're capable of doing it, that people are oftentimes trying to mentor you or trying to tell you a better way, or even sometimes just offer a better suggestion even if it comes from a player. Uh, and it's just so hard to hear that early on because it, it's so personal, right? If you're, you're in this for the right reason, everything is personal because you love what you do. You love your guys. You, I mean, you're, you know how fortunate and lucky you are. So that passion sometimes can turn into ego and it's really, really hard to do that, especially as a young coach. And, and you want to talk about a great place to, to bust your chops. I mean, Springfield is one of them because they'll break you down. And you'll, as the, as the adage goes in the office, when they're down, kick them. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you, you learn some things pretty quickly. Um, but it just, it's such a competitive sport and game. But just don't, don't let yourself be blind to the things you're going to, it's okay to be learning, right? I mean, again, Coach, Coach Abel, who I'll reference a lot, and he, he's where I draw a lot of my wisdom from. I mean, he's, he's 50 years old, and he, I mean, goodness gracious, he couldn't be a lot more successful if he tried, especially offensively. And he still learns new things all the time, and he's willing to, to learn, like, say this in quotes, learn things from the things that I'm doing or the way that I see them. So you're never done learning, and I know that sounds like something they see on the other side of campus, but it, it's true, especially when you're a young coach. I mean, just, just learn those things. And sometimes the best suggestions come from your players, right? And, Cody Brown and Josh Lombardi had been coached by some great guys before me when I first got to the Roach my first year. And, and, I, and I had been in a, such a different offense, a true under center triple, that the offensive line is so different in that offense. So, and they offered good suggestions at the end of the year. And, and it's really, really hard to take personal feedback. But I mean, if, if they care about you, the, the feedback's going to be good and you need to listen to it. And that's especially when it comes from your peers with your coaching. 
Mm-hmm. Just I'll, I'll add one more thing. Sorry, I, I, I think this got to be said. If you're if you're not asking the people that you're leading at the end of the year to to evaluate you, I think you're doing it wrong. Um, and that goes from coaching in any profession. But that like for, for me as an offensive coordinator, and we're a Division three staff, so it's not like we have a ton of guys. But I sat down with my receivers and tight ends coach at the end of the year, and, and we did that evaluation. And I, I get it from my players every year too. And it's anonymous; they can write whatever they want, of course. Uh, if you're not doing that, it's a huge failure. I mean, who who doesn't want it? It's, it's hard. Don't get me wrong. When the, when the comments are negative, um, it, it's tough and it, it hurts you. Um, but if, if you can use, learn to use that right, it can, it can kind of buy you a ticket to a place you couldn't have been otherwise gone any other way. And and to kind of – Yeah, I think it shows how much you care that you want the feedback and you want to learn from it. For sure. I mean, if you're if you're, and if you're a player, and you guys know this from being players or Sammy still are and you two are, are – very recent off of it. I mean, it's really hard to play hard for somebody that doesn't think they care about you. You know what I mean? And and the kids through the kids see through that. You know what I mean? And again, I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and say I've seen it all, done it all, but the kids see through that. If you don't care, they know quickly. And and our guys, I'm I'm fortunate that we're working at a really high academic school. Our football team's averaging like roughly a 33, 34 ACT, which is about a 1480, 1500 SAT. So our kids are really smart. So they I mean they see through that stuff really quickly. Um, so I mean, you, you got to, and if you're not, if you don't care about them, that the worst thing that ever happened to college football was coaches getting paid millions of dollars because they let every guy that likes football a little bit think that they can do it and that they should make that money. And that's not what it's about. And of course, like right, I want a salary, and I'm not saying Nick Saban isn't worth the money he is. Clearly, he is, but it just that that's not why any of us got into it, right? And Jared Kite, who's the DB's coach at Maine now, who interviewed me at, at Springfield, taught me that really well too. Uh, and I'm really fortunate to again to just. I couldn't be more fortunate for my time on Alden Street and the, the relationship that's helped me develop. Geez, that's crazy. So those are some high SAT scores. Yeah, you know, some I love our kids to death, but sometimes football IQ and test scores they they're inverse <laughs> inversely correlated sometimes. And and sometimes and I love them to death, and I'm sure I'll catch heat for this. But sometimes if you if you tell them how to do something, they either need to be so detailed they know everything, or they'll come at you with why don't we do it like this, whereas. Again, at Springfield, if, if I told Joey Rassiopi to run through that brick wall as hard as he could, he, I mean, he'd, he'd be already gone by the time I finished my sentence. So it, it has its ups and downs, but I love our guys, and it's it's really cool. I mean, our, our guys go on to do, not that they don't in other places too, of course they do, but our guys go on to do really impressive things, and it's really cool to be a small step in the way. Yeah, I mean, and uh, just it seems like you guys have a great culture at your school, and like that whole – spread triple i mean 100 passing yards a game i mean i've never heard anything like that out of an option team there uh, there's a defensive coordinator in uh, at davidson college right now john berlin who coached me when I, my time at uh at wnl who will be really happy to hear you say that he calls me air jones because i throw the ball 12 <laughs> times a game i mean oh, oh my gosh 12 times a game but you know, it's, you got i mean how how many times for any option coach out there listening how many times in the offseason you're doing self-scout you're like we've got to throw the hitches on first and second down they're playing cover three they're at eight yards and they're bailing. They're trying not to get beat deep. We've got to throw more hitches. And then you get into the year and you drop the first one. You're like, all right, zone dive. Give me yeah, third and three. You know what I mean? So and we're, we're really fortunate that the kid that we have out there right now from Tennessee is special. I mean, he set some records this year that won't be broken in our program. I mean, one game he was out the first half. He played the second half. Finished the game with three catches for 150 yards and two touchdowns. Um, but, I mean, it, it, it's – Right. Co- coaches lose games, players win games. You're just trying to put the ball in the kid's hand in, in a way that he's got space and opportunity and keep it simple for him. So I, I do think out of the gun, it lends itself to throwing the ball a little bit more, but don't be wrong. And we're, again, we're averaging like 12 passes a game, but 
I'm John Rowan down at Davidson. I might have to send this to him just for just for that reason. He'll be very happy to hear you say that. It gets under my skin a little bit. Coach C is the type of guy to call quarterback sneak on a two-point conversion. There's no question. I'll, I know if we're sitting in RPI my first year, uh, and we're, or no, it was, it was Hobart. We're playing Hobart. It was a great team, and they had some Division One bounce backs. No one had beaten them that year. They're so good. It's like third in a million, and it's not one of those third in a millions where you can throw a screen or something and, and lay with five yards and punt the ball. It's the first down we really needed to really kind of get our defense off the field, keep our defense off the field, and he calls quarterback draw. And we hadn't practiced quarterback draw in four or five weeks. And I'm in the booth, and and I'm a first-year GA, so I'm way too afraid to tell Coach C. I think it's a terrible idea. And I'm, but I found my coach like, we haven't practiced cage technique in like five weeks. You sure? Like, yes, I'm sure. And of course, we run it, and, and it goes for like a touchdown or like 50. He's like, I told you. So there's 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 no question. I mean, Navy every year it seems like Navy's going to pop a fullback trap on third and 20. So it happens. Yeah, I feel like every offseason we try and think we're going to get creative, and then it just turns out we're going to run the same same coach every year. It, right, and, and there's a lesson in that too, right? I mean, I, I can't even begin, and Coach, and coach Abel and I talk about this all the time too. We, we, we get bored as coaches, especially as option coaches, and you, you drop these cool plays, and Coach Webster, his first year at Springfield, my second, uh, when he came back as the offense coordinator, uh, drew up this, it was, like a, it was a zone beater for what we were seeing, this pass play, uh, I can't remember, we called it dog or something, I can't remember. And we practiced, I mean, I can't even begin to imagine the amount of reps we spent on that in the spring. And by the time we got to day four of preseason, that following summer, we're like, we're not going to run it. So, I mean, just stick with what works. And if it's not, if it, right, 60% of the time, your play should have four yards or more. If your plays aren't having that kind of efficiency, then you need to reevaluate them. But if they are, just keep calling them. And I'm so guilty of that. I was talking to one of our A-backers with him. We run a lot of speed option out of empty. And I'm always, I give defense coordinators too much credit sometimes. I'm always like, yeah, well, they're, they're, they're going to, yeah. correct, they're, they're yeah. going to adjust or they're, they're going to rock and roll, whatever. And I always have to have the next answer in my head. And I, I was doing it today because our, our kid was complaining he didn't get the ball enough. He's very explosive. And that stat that I just said, 76% of the time when I called that play, we were getting four or more yards and we were averaging 10 yards a carry on it. I mean, just call it more. I mean, if it's, and that's, that's something that young coordinators, myself, very much included in that really really struggle with you want to have the next answer you want to you want to be on dan casey's twitter for doing the next innovative thing but if, if you're running iso and it's working just keep running you're running a got power keep running whatever it is triple whatever you're doing just keep running absolutely we got we, one more question before we get uh some quick quick hitter questions but uh uh lastly you know kind of what what what's it kind of like for you to come full circle back to your alma mater you know, what's that transition been like? Because we've obviously experienced it from our own, you know, experience at SC. Knowing knowing a coach who has, has you know, worn the jersey also and repped, repped that program, you know, it definitely, it, it kind of makes it all make sense a little bit. You know, what, what has that been like in, in your coaching journey? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I've, been, I've been really, really fortunate and given some great opportunities. I've been able to coach at the Division One, Two, II, and Three level, including the FBS level. Uh, and I always wanted to come back here, right? My my wife is in the other room, is doing much higher level work than you and you and you guys and I are right now. She's got her PhD from Dartmouth in biochemistry and molecular medicine. I don't even know what that means. Um, <laughs> that's her problem. <laughs> exactly. I mean, like find the cure for coronavirus, and, and, I'll still, and, and that's that's where I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. If we if she found the cure for coronavirus tomorrow, and we were overnight billionaires. I'd still go to work the next day because um, I, I love what I do but even she's an alum here this is our this is home for us um, it was always a dream of mine even when I was freezing my butt off North Dakota Division 2 school 
get back here. So it meant a lot to me. Um, the opportunities that this place opened up for me were tremendous. Um, and, and I've loved every other stop I've been in, in, in Springfield. It, I'm claiming as my alma mater, I have a master's degree from there and it couldn't end more to me. But like you guys are saying, watching Duke Eklong, Mike Davis, Greg Webster, Mike Sarasulo go back to Springfield, it's the same way here. I mean, it's, it's home for you, you're gonna love it. And there's a lot of the same people around, including professors um, from my time here. And that means a lot to me. And it's easier to sell the dream, you know what I mean? When you're recruiting, I mean, I, not that I didn't mean it anywhere else I went, of course I did, but I mean, you're talking about it anecdotally in the first person experience. You're, it's, it's pretty special and, and I'm, I'm so fortunate. And again, I, I've referenced Coach Abel a lot, but he recruited me to WNL. Um, he was the offensive coordinator when I first got there and he became the head coach during my time there. Um, not dissimilar to Coach C and Coach DeLong, um, but it, there are times all the time where I, I'm walking to work and I live half a mile away um, and I just I think like I can't believe I'm Coach Abel now. At this point in my coach career, I'm, I'm who Coach Abel was, and I'm not claiming to be as good as him, but I'm who Coach Abel is now. And, and that's I mean, you could told me when I was your guys' age that I mean that would have been a dream come true for me. So it, it means a lot. And there's always going to seem to be that brighter, sexier job. You're going to be checking football scoop when you're your age all the time, right? And and I I very much want to be a head coach one day. I'm not going to hide from that, but I, I'm so fortunate to be here that I wouldn't take any head coaching job. It has to be the right one. So that part's really, really nice. And, and just be where your feet are when you're, when you're your guys' age, right? You're, you're that player personnel at, at the FCS school, or you're, you're getting your first shot at, at Maine Maritime as a D3 program. And you're, you were just playing last year. Be where your feet are. Don't, don't try and think about who you're going to be in five years because you're robbing your kids as well as you're just not going to be as good and you're not going to have as much fun, right? Football, it doesn't matter. The field is 53 and a third yards long and 100 yards or two wide and 100 yards long, no matter where you're playing in Maine, California, Texas, or North Dakota. You know what I mean? And that's why we all do it because it's fun, right? So just just take advantage of that. And I think that's one thing I, I've been able to do pretty well. I, 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 I think because my first experience was the FBS level, I was able to kind of put that that behind me and that's that level's great it wasn't for me I'm passionate about small college football I'm passionate about getting to have an impact in young men's lives and of course I love the game and I'm very competitive um so I've been able to to really understand and learn that so just just enjoy where you're at and and that's really hard to do when you're making two grand and they're not giving you housing or meals like you're at Springfield you're getting a master's but you're I mean you're me and Duke Eckblom going to the Dollar General store for dollar vegetables and clam strips so it's harder then uh, but <laughs> if I if I could go back to my salary now and live with those eight guys again and GA again, I would. And I think a lot of Springfield guys would say that a lot of GAs across the country. Yeah. That's awesome. The uh, Personally, I just want to say thanks for uh, coming on so far. We got, we got a little bit more to go here, but I mean, this has just been awesome so far hearing uh, kind of what you've been through. And it's interesting for me because I was, I was a freshman when you were in your last year at GA. Yeah. Now you're an offensive coordinator, and I've graduated. You and, uh, you and Rob Ralston and Dave Micus, yeah, the, the Mike Davis trio. Yeah, that's it, the Mike Davis trio, CT. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, it's been really great so far. Um, just kind of shifted into a more loosey-goosey. Uh, oh have, have some fun with it. Um, we, have, we do a little section. It's called Quick Hitters. You may have seen it in the past. You may have heard about it. Um, basically, how it's going to work is we'll rattle off some quick kind of one-liner questions, and you give impulse. Uh, Sounds good. Impulse, whatever you're thinking. Yeah. Sounds good. This, this, this is where, I mean, I fellas might have to edit this out, but I don't want to get fired now. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Hey, gotcha. We're, we'll keep it cleanish, right? <laughs> um, so, favorite triple play. We'll start off easy. Ooh, midline triple. And I don't even run that anymore. I'm in the gun. Midline triple, and it's not close. I love midline triple. Again, Luke Conti taught me that. And we didn't get, get to run it because the defense, we love that play. Love it. I miss it all the time. <laughs> um, 
Uh, hardest position you think to coach? A-backs, and it's not close. Uh, no, they have to know as much as the quarterback, and they have to be as physical as the offensive line. All right, as a Virginia guy, what sports teams do you root for? Unfortunately, I'm a Washington football team and a Baltimore Orioles fan. It is a rough, yeah. rough life. <laughs> yes. I am, I am loyal, if nothing else. I am loyal. You must. And favorite player? Uh, Heath Miller, who is who wow. uh, retired oh, wow. retired now. I grew up with my whole family went to UVA. Uh, I grew up a diehard UVA fan. I just love the way Heath Miller played. And Heath Miller, he's retired now, but I love the way Heath Miller played. That's a name. Yeah, and that's, that's no one that's listening to the show knows that. There's no yeah, way. That's a name and a half right there. <laughs> um, all right, as a player or a coach, go to pump up song. I don't. I don't even know. I see. I. This is going to sound like such a trite answer, but I, I, I was, I, I loved the game so much. I was so competitive and so intense that my head co coach, Abel, like he wouldn't let me be in the pregame speech. He wouldn't let me have music. I, I, I had to calm myself down. It's like I was, I was on the field going through footwork, listening to like Mumford and Sons. Like I, I wasn't getting cranked up. I had to, I had to cool myself down. I mean, I, I got a lot of personal fouls. I, I was the last player in our program's history to get kicked out of a game for a non-targeting penalty. So I, I had to crank myself down. I, I couldn't listen to any of that. Good. That's why. You're, you're sitting in the, in the locker room at Springfield and take me home tonight comes on. I had to get out of there. Stuff <laughs> after it's all over. You're like, all right. Yeah, yeah exactly. You're scaring us, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Psycho. Yeah, there's, there's some good Alex Taylor quotes that could have described me. There's no doubt. Um, uh, best GA story that you can – cleanish, cleanish. Yeah. You can run yeah. this one as long as you like here. <laughs> oh boy! I mean, there, there, there are some good ones, uh, especially when when Coach C first took over. Uh, when Coach Sarasota first took over, and, and we were kind of doing his, his vision of, of what Springfield College was, uh, and there, there's so much tradition there. Um, but we're we're like taking off in the old offices. I know they've been redone. There's these cork boards uh, in the GA room, and there's like just several rows deep of we're making fun of each other on Microsoft Paint, superimposing each other's pictures and doing all kinds of ridiculous thing. And one day we had screwed up and we just hadn't done something right. And, and Coach C's a pretty intense guy, as you guys know, right? The staffing doesn't start till he cracks the monster. Um, <laughs> and he walks in and, and he he just, he rips us a little bit and he, he lets us have it. I've, I've been told by Mike Sarasolo that I couldn't coach middle school football before. So he's, he's got some good insults up there. I know, that's <laughs> but he, uh, he loses it on us about being unprofessional, and he tells us we have to clean the office up and take all the stuff down from the uh, from the cork boards. And it's like a GA funeral. I mean, it's me and Casey Toshes, who's at uh, Marist now, uh, Mike Davis, of course, Duke Ekblom, who's at Stony Brook, um, Nick Keen, a couple other guys. I guess those guys weren't there yet because it's our first year still. But anyway, we're taking it down, and like we're getting back to like the '80s. Like we're 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 seeing all kinds of ridiculous things, and so we're seeing guys like Joe Harrisimiak, who's the secondary coach at Minnesota now with like pictures of inappropriate things from Microsoft Paint from Luke Conti and Jameson Kroll. So that was, that was pretty cool. That was pretty special, but my all time favorite thing I missed the GA and it's not close. It's prize stick. So what we used to do at Springfield and, and I, my second year when Coach Steve first took over, he was really all of a sudden he was the name on the liability sheet. He was a little bit worried about, it. I think they do it again, but we, uh, we would vote for worst coach after every game as a staff. Um, and it sounds so cathartic whether you won or lost and if there was a tie so the worst coach had to go pick up everybody's coffees and Wendy's or whatever as you're watching Sunday film um if there's a tie you had a pride stick for it, it was this piece of pvc pipe like this big with a solid bunch of duct tape and 
you put four hands on it and the only rule was um, whoever was holding on at the end won. Uh, but if there's a tie, you had to do that. But our our full-time guys at the time were Jack Pollock, who's a legend, mm. Coach DeLong, Coach Sarsullo, and Coach Conti. Um, they figured out that because there was four of them that year that they could make a three-way tie. And so if there's a three-way tie, there'd be three of us on the pride stick at once. And, and it, there's there's some videos out there. Uh, me, Mike Davis, and Casey Toshes had like three three-ways. And I won two, Casey won one, poor Coach Davis didn't, one win, didn't win one. But just watching these people that are going to be future really big professionals, and again, watching Luke Conti and Mike Sarasota, they have two of the best jobs in the option world right now, just going berserk, circling you, like you're, you're exhausted trying to rip this PVC pipe and Dr. Poison, who's the athletic director, walks by. That I miss that. I miss that a great deal. There's a great video of Coach Arujo, who's the uh, full-time defensive backs coach at Yale at age like what 25, which is insanely impressive. Uh, prize sticking, I think it's Matt Paulson, who's at who's at Minnesota now too. And it, just the trash talking that happens when you're playing your friends. I I miss that a lot. And when I explain that to people that aren't a part of SC, they're like, "That sounds messed up." No, it's awesome. It's so much fun. I. I missed that a lot. Hey, no, so you got time to implement it, I guess, over there. In the, yeah, I, as, again, as a full-time guy who now the liability is on me a little bit more, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. There's, there's a lot more cameras in 2020 than there were back then on the stack field. Yeah, that's awesome. I, <laughs> I, I was I was texting uh, Coach Bozum today. I was like, oh, we got Coach Jones coming on the uh, coming on the show tonight. What should we ask him about here? And he's like, oh, geez. So, <laughs> yeah, Coach Coach Bozum had the unfortunate. It was my it was my second year coaching. It was my first year really coaching. So I was at Rutgers. I mean, I was there, but I wasn't doing the coaching clearly. Um, and so it was my first year. And I was replacing Coach Dugan, who's a legend at Springfield College. Of course, he's the offensive coordinator at Colby now, and taught me a lot. And I'm very fortunate to have him in my life. But I'm taking over, and, and so I'm just flying by the seat of my pants. So Bozum, Cody Brown, uh, Zach Lacalle, those guys just wore it from me sometimes, and, and sometimes it's not fair. So there's 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 no question i owe those guys a, a drink one of these days uh, for sure but yeah i mean uh, like i said thanks again for coming on i mean if there's anything you wanted to ask us or anything you want to cover from us and uh otherwise we're we're just about all set i'd say no man i really i really appreciate it and any any time that you're talking talking ball right now is, is a blessing so it, it was a pleasure to have you guys on i look forward to, to following you guys and following the show for sure okay, well, yeah. stay in touch absolutely thanks fellas all right thanks coach yeah, take it easy. Thank you so much.